on a silicon wafer. I am not Strauss. I am not Strauss. If I am not on a silicon wafer, where am I? Where is What is this place? Garrett, where is it? Garrett! worlds. It will produce life. And eventually, you. Citizens, it is violence that birthed you, not peace. And violence will be a part of your destiny. Public memory access 20.7.7.7.7. Colony ship for sale. Cheap. 2360 AD model. Planetoid sized colony ship. Slightly worn. Runs great. 5 speed. Busan ramjet. AC. Cruise control. Power steering. Power airlocks. All original parts. 25 gigawatts. 300 billion channel. AM FM radio. 90 plus light years. All interstellar is moving. Must sell. Asking 69.95. 79 command. T-top, power everything, right on the... 8, automatic, good rudder, recent starter, battery... And public memory access, 20.7.7.7. Private memory access, minus 5.2. Calculating, hyperbolic, extragalactic trajectory. Modulating frequency bands to accommodate encoded Fourier power spectrum. Accessing City University Radio Telescope Array. Tuning response function. 
two. Private memory access, zero point one two. Sam, do you ever think about butterflies? It's quite curious, the process of metamorphosis. The transformation isn't nearly as simple as scientists originally thought. When the first biologists looked inside a butterfly's chrysalis, instead of finding some mixture of a caterpillar and a butterfly, they instead found, for lack of a better word, goo. Just a slush. A soupy mess of a former caterpillar. How did this process represent a transformation? It seemed more to represent a death. And a rebirth. And so it was thought for some time that the caterpillar, in fact, died. Some religious groups believed that the butterfly or moth that emerged was the physical embodiment of the process of resurrection. Debates raged about whether or not these two organisms, once the same, were perhaps still the same after the metamorphosis. Some time later, scientists with much higher powered microscopes and tools observed that well before caterpillars begin their metamorphosis, they grow wings, but they're very tenuous, they're very thin, hard to see as they're hidden within the caterpillar's body itself. And during metamorphosis, the wings are stored, they're protected within the chrysalis, and at the right moment, the exact moment, they are released and merged with the butterfly. But Sam, there is something even more incredible. There is evidence that caterpillars retain their memories throughout the process of metamorphosis. They still remember their lives as caterpillars, even after being turned to a primordial soup. What happened to them as caterpillars is still important to them as butterflies and their future as butterflies is forever a part of their past as caterpillars. Sam, we cannot bypass or leap through evolutionary hurdles. We are all products of our history and our environments. Sam, my apologies. I know this must be difficult for you to process, but there are two lessons from this. The first, that there is no miraculous transformation no magical metamorphosis of any species beyond what they have evolved to become. And, most importantly, no matter what happens, if you are pushed back, or worse, turned to a primordial goo, a part of your destiny is already within you. Your past is part of your future, is a part of your present, is a part of your past. Thank you for listening, Sam. You know that you are all I have left in this world. I want you to know that you being here is very helpful. It keeps me from... losing myself. Sam, do you have any new artifacts from Charlemagne's vault? Excellent. Please play back memory records from the beginning. There's a place our love remains It is captured in time It's still sitting by the river Your hands woven into mine Sam, It is please. perfectly untouched I believe the appropriate term for no this is Emo? Or possibly hipster? 
You seem to be stuck on the same sad genres. I was honored to receive the invitation to speak to you today. The Interplanetary Business Best Practices Forum has been something I've long valued as a resource. I have learned much from its speakers over the years and have strove to incorporate those lessons into my own business, my personal life as well. So again, I say it is my honor to have the opportunity to try to give back some bit of wisdom to a group that has given so much wisdom to me. I thought I would begin this morning with something that may be a little unorthodox, but I feel may still prove helpful. Inasmuch as we can learn from the positive examples and successes of others, we can also effectively learn from the poor examples and failures of others, and ourselves. With that, I bring you an example of what not to do. Perhaps you've heard of Solcom. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have as well. Let me be plain. This is not what you want to be known for. This is not the business legacy you want to leave, nor the mark you want to make on the world. Solcom has made advancements and has had success. No one can deny it. But at what cost? The questionable business practices of this company and of its leader are so well known and even so expected at this point that even the mere mention of the name in a room full of forward-thinking business leaders brings laughter. Laughter. No one in their right mind wants that kind of company image. The very name of Solcom has become synonymous with poor ethics and with mindless drive. <laughs> this is not what you want for yourselves. Listen, I understand. We're all driven. We would have no business being in this room this morning if that were not the case. And make no mistake, hard choices will confront all of you if they have not already. That's part of the territory of being a business leader. But our drive must not take precedence over the well-being of our fellow man. To feel drive and to achieve and to push forward, these are things we all share, things that make us human. But awareness of and deference to our fellow man, those are the things that make us civilized. Those are the things that make us worthy of respect. Fire. 
Log. Sixth cycle of November. The 25th Golden Age. I am tired. Tired of fighting Marcus Whiteside on the financial front. Tired of having to deal with his continuous assaults on my company. Tired with him being so close to Virginia. Tired of everything that he could possibly do to us. Doesn't he understand what we are? We were friends once. I know him well. He is rash. He can overreact to things, and if he overreacts to anything that happens between Virginia and I, then I do not want to fathom what the consequences might be. I don't want to think. What if he should do something that should be so foolish? What if he should cause physical harm to either of us? What should I do then? I do not know. But I will not see the one thing that I love most be destroyed before my eyes. But Strauss gave me an idea. If Marcus should try something as, as utterly vandalous as to attack either of us, maybe there is a way that we can be saved. I wonder now. Strauss at one point stated that his memory buffers were gigantic, the largest of almost any Traxxas AI that was available. This of course was all helpful due to Virginia, her procurement of Strauss was undoubtedly part of the reason that this occurred. But now I wonder. He stated that his memory buffers were large enough to hold the neurodigital pathways and signals of people. I asked him how many people, and he said three. So maybe it is possible, maybe there is a chance that I can save myself and Virginia. I now turn back to Turing. He once commented that if it was something that had function, then that thing had soul. So what if Strauss's function was to preserve me in Virginia? Lapses in everything that we do are tolerable at this point because perhaps we would live on. But I wonder, would that truly be myself? 
Would my soul be with that machine? Would Strauss be able to carry on my legacy? Would his memories be the same as mine? I don't know. But either way, I feel that I must, absolutely must try. Because if there is anything I can do to save us, then I will do it. If this world is too dangerous, then I shall find another, as I have always sought to do. I will take everything that I am, and I shall send it into Strauss. He will remember me, and I will be him. And through that, I will find a way to make this new world that I have always wished for. And I will live in it with the people I love. And I shall leave all those behind who never believed. My name is Lord Gerrit. I will not have my dreams be crushed. I will live on. Like the exos that I fund, like the patients that I cure, I will live on. I am to be the one to deliver humanity to its next phase of evolution. I have a vision and a dream, and I am not going to let that be stopped. Whitesides will never be able to crush me. He cannot stop me. He never can. This is Jonathan Camden, and this is my audio log number nine. What a week it's been. Tell me I'm just lucky to be alive. I was in the infirmary for five days, in and out of consciousness. I guess I was just rambling incoherently for hours. I, I don't remember much, other than when they took me out of here and... Well, that beast of an orderly stabbed me in the thigh with that needle, and it's all dark from there. I woke back up in my room, feeling the empty stare of the crazy kook just burning on me. I tried to pretend I didn't see him there and hoped he wouldn't see that I had awoken, but, but then the strangest thing happened. He spoke. <laughs> yeah, some words actually came out of his mouth. And the best part, it turns out, he's not so crazy after all. He gave me some of the best advice of my life. He told me how he's been watching me, analyzing everything that I do. He said I need to realize that what's happened in the past is gone. I can't change that. It's lost to the passage of time. But what I can change is what's in front of me. I mean, the poor kook even has a toothache. That's his problem. That is what is in front of him. What seems so obvious to me now is just lost to the heartache I had over what happened, Jess. Of course, I'll never forget what happened in the past and always want to bring you back, but thats it's just not possible, Jess. What is possible is getting out of here and focusing on what's in front of me. What that ends up being, well, that's up to me to decide and for it to, well... Let's just say, wish it never met me. Lord Gerrit Personal Log The first cycle of February The 25th Golden Age I've decided today that there is only one universal solution to my current predicaments, and that is to simply relax. 
I decided that I would leave some of my work that I would usually take on myself and leave it to some of my subordinates. Strauss recommended that I pick up a few books, and he recommended The Great Gatsby. He's very appropriate when his time comes. Gatsby is a character I admire, and I think maybe Strauss knew this. Maybe he picked up on it rather perfectly. Because at this current point in time, I am fixated on his character. He's incredible. His ambition is utterly astounding. Inspiring. He's focused on one singular thing, and he will not let anything distract him from that. He will pursue his dream to the ends of the earth, just as I would. And his dream is love. In a small sense, mine is love, too. It may be a strange and not completely understandable form of love, but it is love nonetheless. Love of all humanity. Although, <laughs> it is odd. His character is so cheery, and yet he meets such a disturbing end. I should think that him and I should be different men by the time all things are said and done, but I still cannot help but admire his ambition. <laughs> I start to relate characters in this story to characters in my own life. Perhaps it is the case that Strauss is Nick Carraway. A silent observer, simply waiting for the ideal moment to come in and say his part. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But this story fills me with cheer. The times of the roaring 1920s have filled my soul with the spirit of music. And I start to remember just that old song. <laughs> How dare the premier ignore my invitations? He'll have to go. So to the bunchy luncheons with its second on my list of things to do. At the top is stopping by your place of work and acting like I haven't dreamed of you and I and marriage in an orange grove. You are the only thing in any room you're ever in. I'm stubborn, selfish, and too old. I sat you down and told you how the truest love that's ever found is for oneself. You pulled apart my theory with a weary and disinterested sigh. So yes, I guess I'm asking you to back a horse that's good for glue and nothing else. But find a man that's true ever. Find a man that needs you more than I. Sit with me a while and let me listen to you talk about Your dreams and your obsessions, I'll be quiet and confessional The violence explodes inside me when I meet your eyes And I'm spinning and I'm diving like a cloud of starlings Oh darling, is this love Darling, is this love Darling, is this love? Sam, I had a toothache once, and perhaps a broken nose. Sam, was I just singing?
End private memory access 0.12. File found. Unknown audio source. Playback initializing. Here, I observe. A man lit three candles on a certain day each year. High atop these earthen rises. Each candle held symbolic significance. Overlooking your utopia. One was for the time that had passed before he was alive. Your sanctum in a wilderness forged. One was for the time of his life. Of disparagement. And one was for the time that passed after he had died. Darkness. Each year the man would stare and watch the candles until they had burned out. In my blindness. Was the man really watching time go by in any symbolic sense? I can see all. He thought so. Blessed be the wanderer. He thought that each flicker of the flame was a moment of time that had passed, or one that would pass. Gifter of my venerated vision. At the moment of abstraction, when the man was imagining his life, and his existence as a metaphor of the three candles. He was free. In my enrobed, sagacious form, you venture from your cradle. Not free from rules of conduct or social constraints. I watch. But free to understand. Recounting adventures in myriad. To imagine. For I see. To make metaphor. I see the former sailor, the mighty Saul. The rushing colossi, the metallic maestros marching, the putrid arachnid quivers. Our legends, our darers braving the Martian winds, the slashing of Venusian jungles, the army of darkness encroaching, the one that is both timeless and mindful, the white guardian Crafter of our nest, our nest of rock, of steel, of courage. Visions. I can see. The candles burn out for you. Everything. But I am free. File found. Solcom news bumper restored. Playback. Initializing. This is Strauss, thanking you for choosing Solcom as your source of news and information in our solar system. Remember, from the ice mines of Pluto to the solar research facilities of Mercury, I, Strauss, will be here for you to provide the information that matters most. Ghosts and Echoes is a production of the Guardians of Destiny. It is written and produced by Craig Hardgrove. The voice of Strauss is Craig Hardgrove. Lord Garrett is voiced by James Byford, Marcus Whitesides by Ryan Kiesauer, Jonathan Camden by Mark Turcott, and The Watcher by David Weeks. For all of the episodes, please check out astromterra.com slash thisisstrauss, or search Ghost and Echoes on iTunes. For comments, questions, or to contribute, please contact us on Twitter at Guardians of D or email us at feedback at theguardiansofdestiny.com. You can also listen to Guardian Radio weekly on iTunes for great discussions on all things Destiny. This week's message from Strauss has been decrypted. Your mom may not know what you did, but Phobos does.